I'm James Bryan Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 63. If you missed a pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, verse 2, where Paul says, set your minds on things above. My friend John Ortberg said this, you have a spirit and it is constantly being shaped by what you hear and watch and say and read and think and experience. John's talking, of course, about spiritual formation. Everyone, I like to say, is being spiritually formed, not just the people who are pursuing a religious kind of life. And as John said, you have a spirit, and it is being formed constantly. It's being shaped, John adds, by what we hear and watch and say and read and think and experience. And that's why we do this podcast. We want to help you hear and think and experience things from above, the kinds of things that will shape you into Christ-likeness. Today's thought from above is this, God is happy about you. When my son Jacob, who, by the way, is the producer of this podcast and is now 27 years old, but I digress. When my son Jacob was little, he said something to me that was incredibly sweet and endearing and I have to be honest, it made me cry the first time he said it. His grammar was not right, but in a way that even made it more touching. One day he walked up to me and he asked this, Dad, are you happy about me? Now, I'm not sure what he had been doing right before he asked me the question, but I suspect it was probably drawing or playing or building something. I just remember that he walked up to me, looked me in the eye, and asked, Dad, are you happy about me? I think what he was asking was, are you happy with what I just did? Or maybe happy with what I've been doing? I'm pretty certain he was just seeking my appraisal for something he had been doing or something he'd just done. But the way he phrased the question absolutely broke my heart because Jacob's actual question was not about whether I approved of what he'd done, but whether or not I was happy about him about his very being. Are you happy about me? What a great question. And my answer was and is unequivocally, yes, I was and am so happy about Jacob. By the way, please allow me the grace to continue using this incorrect grammar during the rest of this podcast, because I think the notion of someone being happy about is deeply profound in exactly those ungrammatical words. I I remember giving him this big hug, and I remember I started to kind of weep, which was probably a big surprise to him. His little five-year-old self was probably thinking, what's wrong with dad? Or what did I just do that made him hug me so hard or made him cry? But when he asked that question, I could see on his face a deep desire to have me, his father, be happy about him. Of course, most of us want everyone to think well of us, And it hurts when we discover someone dislikes us or is upset with us or is unhappy with something that we've done. But at the deepest core, we long to know 
if the significant people in our lives are truly happy about us. Our parents are the first people we long to know are happy about us. They're the ones who brought us into this life, and there's no getting around our need to have them, above others, to be happy about us. Having their approval, acceptance, and hopefully love for us is essential for our well-being. I recently saw an interview with a famous actress from the movies of the 1950s. She's now 88 years old. And she had this marvelous career. She enjoyed fame and fortune and has lived a pretty charmed life. But when the interviewer asked her about her relationship with her father, who had been dead for over 40 years, she suddenly began to weep. All she could manage to say was, I loved him and I loathed him. And through her tears, she shared that she desperately wanted her father to love her, but all he could manage to do was to be critical of her. Are you happy about me? It's our heart's cry. And even though someone may have been gone for 40 years, still that longing, that hurt is just as real. I mean, there she was weeping in this interview over something that happened decades earlier. Maybe we were fortunate enough to have parents who were truly happy about us and let us know in enough ways to make us believe it. But many listening, I suspect, did not have that. Our parents, after all, are human beings, which means they are flawed and limited and broken people. They're human. If I had to guess, I'd speculate that most of us live with some amount of deficit when it comes to truly feeling loved. I mean, loved without condition by those significant people in our lives. And that is why, for me, the real healing comes not from chasing the love and acceptance, dare I say, happiness of others regarding our existence. That healing comes when we encounter the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've spoken a great deal about the Trinity on this podcast, and I don't do that because I like to talk about deep theological ideas. I do so because the Trinity is at the heart of this universe. And because the Trinity is the answer to, well, everything. You may be thinking, well, wait, 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 Jim. How does the Trinity connect with this idea of being happy about our existence? What a great question I just put into your minds. The late great theologian Ray Anderson, who I had the privilege of having as a professor when I studied at Fuller, said this profound truth. Ministry precedes theology. Let me just stick with that for a moment. Or should I say unpack that deep thought, because you know I like to unpack on this podcast. Ministry refers to the action of God on our behalf. So the ministry of God, or the action of God, is God's work toward us. And what Anderson's saying is God's ministry, God's action toward us, determines our theology, which is how we think about God. So theology is not merely dry speculation about God, saying things like, you know, God is all-powerful, omnipotent, or all-knowing, omniscient, or that God is everywhere, omnipresent. Those omnis, as I like to call them, well, they're true, but they don't tell us much about the heart of God. For that, we need to look at God's 
ministry, namely what God has done. That's what Ray Anderson is saying. So now we turn to the Christian story. God became human. The Word of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God, by the power of the Spirit, healed and forgave and showed love to the least, the lost, and the unlovely. The second member of the Trinity, Jesus, willingly died in order to cancel our debt of sin, to reconcile us to God even while we were enemies. That is God's ministry, or rather, the Trinity's ministry on our behalf. And what does that ministry teach us theologically? Or what do God's actions tell us about who God is? Or even more to the point, what do the Trinity's action tell us about how the Trinity feels about us? The actions of the Trinity are shouting to us this very thing. The Trinity is happy about us. Do you believe that? The Trinity is very, very happy about you. But I can almost hear the butts in your minds. Jim, I'm a sinner. I mean, I've really made a mess of my life. There is no way God is happy about me. Well, I would ask you this. On what grounds do you believe this? Now, if you've projected onto God some human image of a person who loves on the basis of our behavior, then I understand why this is difficult to believe. But here's where the Trinity corrects this false projection. God the Father sends the Son not to condemn the world, John 3.17, but to rescue it. While we are sinners, Christ dies for us, Romans 5.8. That's how, Paul says in that verse, God demonstrates his love for us. Romans 5.8 is such an important verse. Let me read it again. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear the actions, the ministry in that verse? God the Father and God the Son die for us, and in doing so demonstrates that God loves us. While we are sinners, it proclaims, not when we shape up or when we get better or when we stop sinning. No, it says, while we were still sinners. But we get so down, so dejected, so sad, all because we think, well, I'm not really lovable, I'm not loved, or we think maybe all is lost, or we think there's really no hope. Be of good cheer, friends, and listen to this. And this is one of my all-time favorite quotes from one of my all-time favorite people, John of Kronstadt. I've quoted him before. John of Kronstadt was a 19th century Orthodox priest, and this is one of my favorite quotes from him. He writes, When you are dejected, remember this, that God, the Trinity, looks upon you with eyes brighter than the sun. Oh, it's so good. I have to quote it again. When you're dejected, remember this, that God, the Trinity, looks upon you with eyes brighter than the sun. Ah, oh, it's so good. I could hear it over and over again. God, the Trinity, looks upon us with eyes brighter than the sun. Think about that. 
Here's a thought from above right now. God the Trinity is looking upon you with eyes that are brighter than the sun. God the Trinity is indeed very, very happy about you. May this truth fill your heart till it overflows with joy. I hope you join me next week for episode 64. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you are asked, hey, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.